Chris Lee, Blake Lovell, Max Barr of Southeastern 14 here to do power rankings after the first SEC on SEC games this weekend. Our power rankings brought to you by Bet Online with NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see our updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that is B L E A V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Battle line with the game starts. Speaking of believe, uh, they're our audio partners. So if you ever just want to listen to the audio version of this, you can get that there. All right, power rankings. We start at the bottom where the bottom team has been our bottom team for the while. That is Vanderbilt. Um, let's say a couple nice things about Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt took Alabama to within three points, in which I thought was a horrible matchup. I, I will also say there's a little bit of evidence if you look at Ken Palm's profile for Vanderbilt. Uh, the, the Commodores have been a little bit unlucky. If you look at the three-point percentages and free-throw percentages against them, Vanderbilt has ranked, I think, in the bottom 10 of the entire country there. Now, look, do I think Vanderbilt is a bad team? Yeah, I do. Is Vanderbilt also a little bit unlucky? I, I think that can also be true, Blake. Yeah, I think it can also be true that they're getting better. Um, yeah. And I think that's very clear over the past three games. So, you know, not a lot of teams have went to Memphis and lost by two. Not a lot of teams have, you know, lost Alabama by three. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're definitely getting better. And as Max and I talked about yesterday, it's just they got to have other guys step up. They're getting that now. And um, I don't – look, I'm not saying they're going to be win or be favorites in the next couple of games. But, you know, I can't say I'd be shocked if they beat and or took LSU and Ole Miss to the wire. So, yeah, they're, they're trending in the right direction. They're just, again, starting from much further behind than everyone else. Yeah, I mean, it, it we're, we have them at, at 14 here, but they're, like you said, Blake, they just, they look better now. Uh, they've kind of found their footing a little bit here. I mean, they, a basket away, either way, from, from beating Memphis or Alabama, you know, and if, if they win one of those games, are they here on the bottom? You know, probably not. Um, I think the difference for the most part has been the emergence of Jason Rivera Torres. I mean, he's been, he's been really, really big to, to kind of take that load off of Mannion and Lawrence. Um, but, you're going to need that night in night out. You're going to need that. Um, and so I don't know if that is, you know, is he always going to do that? Is it going to be, you know, a little bit of maybe a, an Evan Taylor will have a game, a Jordan Williams will have a game, you know, with Lawrence and Mannion, you know, keeping pace, you know, maybe it's something like that, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but now you, you definitely can't take Vandy lightly now, you know, you definitely can't take them lightly because they've proved they can, they can kind of hang with the best of them. This is the ugly tier of our power ranking. Speaking of ugly, Max, why'd you have to dirty up our background like that with the Bill Lambeer jersey? It's bully ball. The bad boys. Come on, man. Come on. We got to be better than that. Uh, I'd say, Max, um, if you look at the the picture over his right shoulder, Max drew that. So our man, our man here had some talents we didn't know about. But um, all right, back to basketball. Uh, look. These two teams carried our channel a year ago. I feel a little guilty speaking badly about them both, but that's kind of where we are with Missouri and Arkansas, Blake. Um, You're already giving Missouri, away number 12? 
Well, I don't think that was going to be hard to guess, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that everyone's going to have him at number 12. Oh, I, I think there's... Well, it wasn't tough for me. Well, all right. Well, let's start with number 13. How about that? Um, they're up next, Missouri. Yes, they have struggled. Max and I, again, discussed on, on Sunday. That's all the reasons why. Missouri fans know all the reasons why. Um, there have been people asking me, you know, if Dennis Gates can still coach and all this other stuff. I mean, I... Yes, it's going to be my response to that. It's just, as I'll keep saying the same thing I've said, it's just there was much less room for error on this roster, and they're not getting everything they need out of everybody, and it's putting a lot of pressure on Sean East and, you know, some other guys, and, yeah, it's just it's just not been enough right now. And so, um, you know, if, if this team's going to turn around, they're going to have to finish in the top 25 offensively. Right now, they're around 75 uh, in efficiency and all that. So, they're going to have to make a huge jump, and it's going to be hard to do. So, Yeah, and a a tough road ahead, too. Their schedule is not very friendly. Um, We'll we'll talk about it more in in our previews, but the one thing that's been jumping out to me with Missouri, especially after going back and watching that Georgia game, is past four games, Missouri has allowed 42 threes past four games, 10 threes, 11 threes, nine threes, 12 threes. I mean, teams are just shooting the lights out. And like, while yeah, uh, Noah Thomason and Justin Hill like made some tough shots, they missed a lot of open ones too. Like it could have been more. Um, so obviously, you know, Blake, I like how you, how you mentioned that. The, the offense has to take an incredible leap because I, I really don't think the defense is capable. Um, you know, it's just it's a tough situation because they, they look decent with Caleb Grill. He, he gave them a lot of defensive rebounding perimeter defense, and it's it's just a different team now. By the way, Ken Pomeroy has got the bottom two teams projected in SEC standings to be Vanderbilt at 14 with a projected record of three and fifteen and Missouri at five and thirteen. So but both teams mm-hmm. Well off of where we thought they'd be preseason, as is another one. We teased it. Arkansas at 12. <laughs> Did you guys hear Eric Musselman's ending to that press conference, Max? Yeah, Ooh. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. I was. I mean, he got a little bit of pushback, um, but I mean – I don't really blame them. There's not much you that you can answer to any questions after a performance like that. And and he kind of just gave into the frustration a little bit. I probably would have handled it even worse if I'm being honest. I mean, there's not much you can say after a performance like that. It's just there's a lot of holes. There's a lot to work on, and they just got dominated in the second half. I mean, they looked decent in the first half, and all the way until about you know mm-hmm. a few minutes left in the first half, it was neck and neck. So it's not like it was just from, you know, a full 40 minutes of beat down. They let it get away from him in the second half there. And you got to tip your cap to Auburn because that team is 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 unreal on, on both sides of the ball. But, yeah, I mean, Arkansas fans were in our comments yesterday saying, you know, I've given up. I'm, I'm throwing the white, the white towel in the ring. I'm giving up. And I don't think it's, you know, completely time to give up. You've got a lot of opportunities to turn the ship around. But, man, there's a lot to work on. Yeah, I mean, I don't the whole press conference thing. I don't. Who cares? I'm just not. Yeah, you know. Again, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, again, if I'm Eric Musselman, I don't know what you say after that. Like, you yeah. know, if he had all the answers, they wouldn't have lost eighty three to fifty one. And so, um, you know, it's just I don't know. But the bigger part of the 
the press conference portion to me and the, the actual quote one, I don't, I don't think is getting as much attention, which it probably should, but you know, is the Keon, Keon Minifield one. It's like, quote, it feels like we quit. I mean, to me, that's way more significant than anything else. Yeah. Um, when you have a player that's saying that. And so, um, you know, then I think the, the follow-up quote was, we didn't play as a team and we weren't together out there. Um, so when you're not together and you don't have fight out there and let people punk you, that's what happens. So plain and simple. And so that is the most concerning thing. If I'm looking at it from the outside in, um, is, is that particular part of the equation. So I don't know. Yeah. Like we said, um, you know, it's, it's clearly the most disappointing team in the sec at this point. And most years we say they'll figure it out. I am not banking on that this year until we actually see some progress and them actually put it together to look like they're going to figure this out. Um, other than just a, you know, a three game winning streak leading into sec play, which obviously didn't mean a whole lot after they came out and lost this game the way they did. So. Guys, the initial stat coming out of there was that was the, the worst loss in the history of that arena. I think it later came out that's the worst loss Arkansas's ever had in Fayetteville. And Blake, I agree with you. Uh, the, the thing that I've wondered about Eric Musselman, okay, he pieces a team together every year of guys that have played a lot other places, like Jalen Graham's an example. Jalen Graham, two years ago, came to Arkansas. He was a second-team All-Pac-12 guy at Arizona State. You see this a lot in the SEC. You see some at Missouri. Guys that are used to playing a lot aren't playing a lot. And he brought in a lot of guys that played a lot last year. Now, he's always been able to make that work, uh, but but you do wonder at some point, it's a different day and age of college basketball, as we know. How do you hold that together? How do you keep everybody happy? And I'm, I'm with you. I think that we quit comment to me is is very concerning. Well, I think the the bigger thing now is like, everybody's dealing with this, not just Eric Musselman yeah. anymore. Yeah. Or at the beginning, he was the one that was always sure Other coaches were probably trying to figure it out from him. Cause he was the one that kind of felt like started the whole transfer portal boom, uh, in the way he was building his roster. And now it's like everybody faces that issue every season. And that's the thing, right? If you're doing a percentage right now, percentage wise, he's hitting a much higher percentage than most coaches are. Um, yeah. this year though, you know, that, that that seems to be uh, uh, debatable whether this year he's going to reach the percentage he has in, in recent years. Because more often than not, he seems to hit pretty well in terms of building the roster and putting the pieces in place. Again, even if every single season there has been a frustrating stretch for Arkansas basketball. But the difference is it has not been to this extent, and you've never yeah. seen a game like this as you just saw against Auburn. And so that – automatically raises the concerns. And like I said, I think the Keon Medifield quote raises some concerns. Um, so yeah, like go beyond the end of the press conference and all that. And th to me, that's a, that's nothing compared to the actual, you know, what's going on and sure he's going to have to figure it out and he's going to have to, you know, answer hard questions. Um, if this continues, because yeah, this is just unacceptable for Arkansas basketball fans. And quite frankly, a performance like that should be so. Now we reach the teams that are feeling a little bit better about themselves portion of the power rankings. Uh, next up, 11 LSU. I got to watch that game, Max, in College Station. It was stunning how much LSU controlled that game. Jordan Wright was just a steadying presence. He and Jalen Cook, between them, have played just a ton of basketball. You got Will Baker in that front court. Hey, LSU has now cracked the top 50 
in Kim Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency after ranking 176 there a year ago. Hey, hey look, it, they could fall apart. It could crank up later. But I think, Blake, one of the questions we got in our mailbag last week was Matt McMahon hot seat talk. Uh, this is a coach who's got his team playing much better after that early stumble against Nichols State. Yeah, well, it helps to have your what I still think is probably their best player back. Um, and so that's a big boost is having Jalen Cook. Although, again, Jordan Wright is uh, he's probably number one on the list, uh, best player, but maybe most impactful in terms of the position that he plays. And Jalen Cook is the, the better way to phrase it. Like, because they needed someone like that that, you know, can kind of help them do a lot of different things. And so, I mean, that's what we said, right? It's, we went into the season. If you were higher on LSU, the reason you were high on LSU than you were a year ago is because you knew that, okay, Jalen Cook gives them a dynamic that they don't have. Um, and everybody else, you're just kind of banking on potential and translating from other schools. And, you know, again, we felt pretty sure about Jordan Wright, but I'd say it was probably fair to say everybody else felt like a bit of a question mark in terms of exactly the production they would give in, in the SEC. And so, but yeah, they're, they're putting it together now. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, what, what do you say? I mean, they're, you know, no, no one gave them a chance to even win the game, um, but they go in and win by 15 at A&M. So uh, yeah, they are definitely trending in the right direction without question. Is every team going to shoot five of 28 from three against LSU? Probably not. But you do have to credit that LSU defense. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, um, because Matt McMahon in the press conference said, uh, guys, we got to start giving Hunter Dean credit for his 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 basketball IQ. Said he's just a wizard uh, on the court, can see things happening, developing. He's one of like their key communicators on defense and practice. And you're bringing him off the bench. Uh, and and that's, that's pretty significant to have your front court defense almost get better as you go to the bench. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's pretty interesting. And I've been, I've been beating the drum the past week. I'm not going to bore anyone with, with more Jalen cook talk, but I think you gotta, you gotta mention Jordan Wright and just how, how much his game is going to open up now that you got uh, a point guard with, with the assist rate that Jalen cook has. So, yeah, I mean, is this team going to hold every sec opponent to 17% from three? Probably not, but you got to give them credit here because College Station is not an easy place to win. We saw that last year. So, hey, you got to give LSU some credit. Up next, the team with the fifth longest active winning streak in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, look, Georgia has not beaten a Ken Palm top 100 team in that stretch. Several that are close, 102 Missouri, 104 Florida State. Both those games, by the way, away, which I think is the most impressive part of the winning streak. But Georgia also has now cracked the top 50 in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency. This is not a team of household names, Blake, but it's a team with decent depth. And Mike White in year two has got them playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, again, like I think Max and I, one of the talking points we had yesterday was like, you're not going to look at this and – even if you look at it and say, all right, well, they really haven't beaten anybody, which I mean, you know, there, there's, there's some validity to that. Although I don't think they've just beaten a lot of just terrible teams. They just probably beaten up on a lot of teams that, you know, are outside of the NCAA tournament picture right now. Um, you know, but even like, I don't know, teams like 
high point, right? I mean, they're 13 and four. They're, they're going to win know, their and, league. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think you look at some of those and it's like, again, I, I think for us, it's sometimes just you look at the schedule and all right, we see an Alabama schedule. We see a Tennessee schedule and ones like that. And it's just like, all right, then you look at Georgia and okay, well, there's just not a lot there. But like, like I said, though, it's, you're talking about a team that won six games two seasons ago. The program was as far down as it had been in a long time. Um, and, you know, since then, all they've done is win 16 last year. Now they're already up to 11, 14 games into the season. Fifth, you know, longest win streak in the country, nine in a row. Now they get a great opportunity against Arkansas on Wednesday, a team that is just heading in the wrong direction. And so, yeah, like the Mike White effect, man, it was, we said it, I mean, People, there were some people just like laughing at the time. And I'm like, I don't think people realize like this is the perfect fit. Like taking a program that just completely was going nowhere, um, had reached again a point that was just make you scratch your head. And he comes in much less pressure than he had at Florida. Everybody you talk to thinks he's just a great basketball coach. And he's shown that over the years. It just did not work out at Florida. Um, and yeah, he's pushing all the right buttons now for this Georgia team. And, um, like we said, last year was a big step to get to 16 wins this year, already taking a big step to be where they are right now with a great opportunity to keep this thing rolling. Um, we'll see if it holds up, you know, throughout sec play, but yeah, there's no doubt that Georgia is, um, as a program, just like take, take just where they, you know, 11 and three aside, like as a program, this feels as good as it's felt for them, uh, in quite a while. So. I rewatched that that game last night, that that Missouri Georgia game, and I was just I was impressed with with how they responded after Missouri completes that comeback and actually takes the lead. Crowd was going nuts, the atmosphere was great, and and Georgia responded with timely threes. Uh, I mean, you look at I mean their their team uh, three point percentage is right around like thirty five percent, which I think is like a hundred. I think it's a hundred exactly. I think. Uh, and Ken Palm, but when you look at the individual numbers, they got four guys uh, that are that have made over twenty threes that are shooting over thirty five percent. You got Thomason, Justin Hill, uh, Abdur Rahim, and Blue Kane now. Um, so you, you can really spread the ball out, and and they have good offensive spacing. And now you're seeing uh, the seven footer Chewa really start to come on. It just had his best game of his year. So, um, you you got to give them credit and start respecting them because I. If it's if I'm a betting man, I think that Arkansas is going to be the underdog coming to Georgia. So, I mean, you can you could have a have a Georgia team on a one of the longest win streaks in the country hosting Tennessee uh, on Saturday. So, man, just get get Georgia on your radar. I'm not sure if they'll all of their numbers are going to translate throughout the entire conference season, but they look as good as you can right now. You know. You're muted, Chris. You're muted. Yeah, helps if I take that off. All right, next <laughs> is the um, the land of confusion tier. I think all well, of you got us all these we... tiers. When, when did you come up with these tiers? I'm curious, like what what the land of confusion, huh? That's the land of confusion. It I've never had that one before. It fits. you could have you started that at number fourteen, I think. Well, <laughs> no, no, I think I think we were pretty united on at least knowing those five teams were we're in that bottom in some way. I mean, I guess you could, you could justify, well, it's kind of hard to do it moving Georgia LSU up, but look, here's the point. 
you got a lot of teams coming up that they either don't have great records or have great records, but haven't beaten a lot of good teams. You got one team in here just absolutely got its clock cleaned um, in Knoxville Saturday night. And with that, Max Barr, explain what happened to Ole Miss on Saturday. Well, I don't think many teams could have gone into Knoxville and looked good, but man, Ole Miss really struggled. I I, I said it yesterday in our reaction video. It's made major wake up call. Um, the 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 rebounding numbers were just jarring. Uh, I mean, Tennessee really imposed their will phys- physically, and I I thought Ole Miss would be able to put up a, a bigger fight there, especially with Cisse, um, coming from you know Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Um, but you, it's not time to completely just write off Ole Miss as as a bottom team in the SEC that you know isn't going to do anything. Uh. This, this game against Florida here on Wednesday is going to have a spread of, of one basket. It's going to, you know, it's going to be a close close game on paper. So, I mean, Blake called it. You know, Blake said a, a few of these teams' uh, shooting numbers are probably not going to hold up, uh, you know, all the way through conference play. Mississippi was one of the best shooting teams in the non-conference. They go to Tennessee. I mean, they still shoot 37%, but – only make six threes, and a few of those were like Jalen Murray off the bounce, individual step backs that were just pretty impressive. Um, I'm not, I'm not quitting too, too quick on on Ole Miss here, but the main, the main glaring problem is the the rebounding and, and protecting the glass. And if there's one team that's out for blood and, and knows how to rebound, it's Florida. So I'm a little bit concerned. I will say, a little bit concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's again. I what happened in the Tennessee game is not. I don't think anyone should have been shocked necessarily. Like it's just maybe just looking at the record. But as I said, Tennessee can just do this to teams, and they're not going to give you anything easy. And they didn't in this game. And yeah, I just think Ole Miss is. We we've all known thirteen zero. They're still a work in progress because we said they played in some close games. Where in all honesty, you know, they get a couple bounces in some of those games that go the wrong way. You're talking about. Oh man, they lost to Detroit Mercy, right? Who is um are they still they're 0 and 17 now? So, you know, you just think about those kind of things. You talk about basketball and the way it works. Sometimes the bounces just go your way. You know, you you make your your, your luck here and, and they were able to come out on top in some of those close games. But I think that's the thing, right? Even if they had one loss coming in the Tennessee game, like people are just probably looking at it dramatically different. Like if it didn't even matter who it was against, it would just be like, Oh yeah, well, they're 12 and one. But 13 and 0, you're like, okay, well, hey, you're feeling really good about yourself. But even Chris Beard would probably say we knew, you know, that this was certainly a possibility uh, playing at Tennessee and just knowing what Tennessee can do to teams. And um, again, still a work in progress for the Rebels. Number eight, the Texas AM Aggies, who've got a, a decent resume, beaten Iowa State, one at Ohio State, one at SMU. But my goodness, they look bad. Um, Saturday against LSU Blake could not shoot for anything that they've got. This is a team that just got one of the weirdest offensive profiles around um, barely inside the top 300 in effective field goal percentage, but I think 17th in adjusted offensive efficiency. And I think that's on the strength of, of offensive rebound. And it is their number one in the country, but man, if, if you watched them play, th- their shots were not even close on Saturday night. Now, I think AM is going to play a lot better and will. He's got a lot of experienced guys, but Henry Coleman just 
kind of disappeared in that one. I wasn't sure what I was watching there, Blake. Yeah, I mean, I will say this, though. Like I, I've said this before. It's a 30-something game season. Yeah. You're going to have games like this along the way. And to this point, they had not had a game like this. Um, yeah, it sucks for them that it came at this time, and you hate that you played as bad as you did. But as we said, I think all the pieces are starting to connect for LSU. A&M just has I – mean, technically, I guess you could say the Virginia game was kind of like that, but we did put the caveat in. They didn't have Tyrese Radford in that game. But all the other games, like remember, they're a couple plays away from beating Houston, had their chances against Memphis. You know, Florida Atlantic was a good game. They beat Ohio State. They beat SMU. They beat Iowa State. So I, I look at all that, and I just – I'm not ready to like, you know, talk about Arkansas fans throwing in the towel. Um, not ready to throw in the towel on A&M just yet. Uh, but the problem is what I said on Sunday. Now they got to go to Auburn. Then they got to play Kentucky. Then they got to go to Arkansas. Then they got to go to LSU. So their first five games, there is a realistic possibility that they could only come out with like a win in these first five. And if that happens, then maybe you start to get pretty concerned. Although the rest of their schedule, I think, is very manageable when you look at kind of the strength of schedule uh, the rest of the way. But yeah, I the, the shooting is just going to be the thing the rest of the year. Just like we talked about at Mississippi State last year, it's going to be this way with Texas A&M and the good news, though, is usually when they miss, they usually grab the rebound, and they don't really turn the ball over a whole lot. Um, and having Radford back, I think, will be good in the long run. It just, it just hasn't connected just yet. So, yeah, and, and if you're watching, I, the broadcast was saying during the game, like Radford just looks a little bit rusty. You know, looks he was he was forcing it a little bit. Um, two of seven from three. A few of those were 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 pretty good looks that I think he, you know, probably makes on a good day. Um, but also Hayden Hefner, O of six from three. You know, I, I wouldn't count on that every time. He probably makes, you know, two of those on, on most days. Um, but another another factor here of this game that really we didn't even talk about in our reaction was there was no Solomon Washington. And we list off that Iowa State game as a big win. The only reason they won that Iowa State game was because Solomon Washington has a career-high 18 points and three threes. He basically wins that game for them by himself down the stretch there. So that's another it's this is another game now for Texas A&M where they weren't at full strength and you know Jace Carter was you know supposed to be one of those guys on the wing and and he's only got one game this whole season where he's made more than one three shooting like 20 percent so um you, you expected to get a little bit more out of him and now the blueprint's out on, on Texas A&M don't let these guys hit the offensive glass so I'm really interested to see how they respond this next game, because like you said, Chris, they're old. They had a bunch of seniors, and and they're not going to get completely rattled and, and shaken, and they're going to come back and fight because they've been here before. So I'm really, really looking forward to this Auburn game because, man, Wade Taylor's back is up against the wall, and, and that might not be a good thing for the opponents. Next up, Mississippi State, which took a loss at South Carolina. State, good team, veteran team, can really defend, as we, we've said for a couple of years now. But State's got a little bit of a quality wins problem. Um, you look down at the schedule, I mean, North Texas was a nice win. Northwestern was a nice win. Are those NCAA tournament teams, I don't know, <laughs> kind of blew a chance there in Columbia to get one. But, hey. 
Tennessee and Alabama at home give this team a chance to to notch a couple uh, coming up here in the next week, Blake. Well, and they also go to Kentucky after that. So, I mean, their next three games are are all huge opportunities. And, you know, people would say it's fair or unfair, but what Mississippi State will have going for them if they find themselves in that situation where they are right on the bubble is what? Hey, we didn't have our best player for the first yeah. 10 games or whatever, 11 games. So that's going to be factored in. Uh, and so I think they've got a little wiggle room now because of that. So, you know, the Southern game, Georgia Tech game, maybe the Southern game's not, like, I don't know if you can justify that necessarily. But um, so at least, again, you can kind of maybe use that if, if they find themselves in a close spot. But, yeah, I mean, like I said before, their schedule is not easy. They've probably got the toughest first half schedule of anybody just looking at it on paper. Um, you know, like I said, those next three games, then you factor in having to go to Florida, playing Auburn at home, having to go to Ole Miss, having to go to Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the numbers and data can say what it wants, but when I look at schedules, this is the one, the one I see that is the toughest probably in the first half. Um, so, again, you don't want to do what you did last year where you started one and seven and had to, you know, dig your way out of that, but I don't think this team will do that. I think they – the South Carolina game was one of those where those felt like two pretty even teams. Um, South Carolina just made more plays towards the end. So, you know, once again, Mississippi State's still going to have some offensive issues at times just because they don't shoot it well enough and they turn the ball over a little bit. But the defense will keep them in every game they play. Uh, I just think that's going to be the reality this season. So they're always going to have a chance because of their defense. Um, and so, yeah, I don't. I think State's okay right now. Yeah, I, I really had a tough time um, deciding who to rank higher between A&M and, and Mississippi State. I think they're they're both in, in a very similar spot right now. Um, but you look back at that South Carolina game, you know, and the, Tolu Smith didn't play down the stretch and all those foul trouble. And, and a few of those fouls I thought were were kind of questionable. Tolu Smith let the refs hear it after that the last one. Um, but, I mean, you get 20 minutes out of Tolu Smith, you get 30 out of him. Do you win that game? You know, it's all hypotheticals, but same exact thing as as Texas A&M where the blueprint is out in in the conference. You know, the team's not going to shoot the ball well. They're going to try to bang it inside, and you got to do what you got to do on the glass. And South Carolina does it. The broadcast was talking about it like crazy during the game, how impressive South Carolina was on the glass. I mean, you out-rebound a Mississippi State team where all they do is out-rebound other teams. Um so I think you got to, you know, Tolu Smith is, is a little bit rusty, similar to how Tyrese Radford is a little bit rusty. Um, you only get 19 minutes and 20 minutes in his first two games back. So until Tolu Smith gets back to 100%, similar to how I was judging Ziegler too much, I don't want to make that same mistake here and, and just let him kind of get back. If they win one of these next two games, maybe even in both of them, I'll be like, okay. Yeah, Tolu Smith is healthy now, and and this is what we were expecting from this team. But a lot to be proven here in the, this next stretch of games because they got a lot of opportunity. Next up at number six, South Carolina. Did, did we ever think we'd be talking almost mid-January? South Carolina would have one loss, tied for the best record in the SEC overall at 13-1. and one. This is the team right now, if you selected the NCAA tournament, I think the Gamecocks would be in probably a, a nine or a 10 seed. Who knows? Maybe an eight. Uh, boy, 
Lamont Paris tried to warn us in the offseason that we were underselling his team, which was picked 14th to 14 preseason. We got Carolina at six here, Max. Unbelievable. We I mentioned it in the reaction video and we we tweeted out, is this the new normal in Columbia? And I think our think our question was answered here. Um Talon Cooper, I'm gonna keep saying it. Although Mac is great and, and Colin Murray Boyles is coming on so strong as a freshman, Cooper's the difference there. I mean, he only scores four points, but he he dishes out seven assists to only one turnover. Just a, a phenomenal game manager. He's not gonna let anything get out of his control. Um this team had their backs against the wall after the first five minutes. They were getting bullied physically and and they responded. And I think that just goes to show the quality of this team and how they're it's not a fluke. You know, it would be one thing if they come out and just make like their first five shots and they're just they're playing with the lead the whole time and Mississippi State isn't a good shooting team and can't get back in the game. No, it, South Carolina had a claw back in this one and showed a lot of toughness. So my doubts are, are quickly fading away with this team because they just keep proving me wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're one of the people who wants to make an argument about why experience matters these days in college basketball, look no further than South Carolina because there are other teams that have a lot of experience too, but if you want to see what it can do for a, a team and a program, you know, this is a great example because, you know, you brought in guys who have played a lot. You've got a very old roster and, you know, like Max said, like you've got guys who've sort of been in these situations before, maybe not in a South Carolina uniform, but elsewhere and just kind of paying off. And again, we always say it and we can go back to Arkansas. I hate to do it, but chemistry is always a guessing game when you, you know, build a new roster in the transfer portal era and, these guys, these guys just got chemistry. I've been saying that for over yeah. a month now. Like they just, the connection is there for the, especially, you know, when you look at all these guys, they brought in the big four, as I keep calling them, not knocking the other guys on the roster, but you know, the four guys that get the most attention, like they just seem to have a great chemistry together. And um, yeah, it's, it's paying off big time. So yeah, Gamecocks deservedly uh, up here in the, the top half of the league. And yeah, if the tournament was played today, they'd safely be in without question. Number five, the Florida Gators. I think this is the team we all had trouble knowing what to do with. It's kind of hard. Hold on, to, Chris. To... Are we still in the land of confusion tier? Or are um, we in something else? Yes. No, this is the land of confusion. because Okay. Well, I, I think we, we're Max and I are coming up with something else. I'm not confused at all about anything. Okay. With, with so you, you guys were solid with Florida at five. Yeah. Solid. Okay. Look, here's, here's why. Florida's lost four games. You got a one-loss Ole Miss team. You got a one-loss South Carolina team. Now, look, if you said, let's just line up and take the best team, I think we got the right one here. If you watch the first half of that game, which I did, I didn't get to see much of the second half. Um, the floor was right there with the Kentucky team that we have thought is at or near the top of the league and is a national title contender. If you watch that game, I don't think you came out feeling any worse about Florida. Um, you might look at it if you're just doing this to have a loss, they should move down. But I think we all feel really good about what Todd Golden's done. And that offensive versatility was really on display in the first half there, or Blake. Florida fans, just got to let you know the truth here. Chris Lee put the jinx on you on Saturday I in did. our group chat. 
And Max and I tried to slow him down. We tried. We did our best. I said, Chris, calm down. Chris was ready to crown you the national. He was ready to go back-to-back again. He, he thought it right. was the Billy Donovan era. He was ready to go back-to-back national championships for the Florida Gators. Um, but it was a tale of two halves in terms of the shooting. And Max and I brought that up on Sunday. Like, that was it, where Florida just had a great first half, shot it as well as they did. But I think that shows you what this team is capable of. And again, we talked about Florida so much this year. And it has kind of been with the the idea that are they going to make that jump? Like, are they going to be able – because the talent's there. We keep saying it. Like, the guard group is fantastic. The talent's there. Can they make the jump? And that first half, and a lot of – not just the first half, like a lot of the game. Like, again, that game, it's a two-point game. Like, they have a chance to win. So let's not act like, you know, they were just terrible in the second half. They weren't. But Kentucky made more plays, and that's why you see Florida moving up in our rankings this week. Um, Because, again, I think we all had them maybe in different spots. But I just – I look at this team, and you can see that it's there. And a missed opportunity against Kentucky, but I think you come out of this one feeling really good about Florida, especially Mm -hmm. when you look at – the depth that they have right now. And and I think that's where we talked about Max. Like it's, it's seeing an Alex Condon doing what he's doing. Obviously you knew Riley Kugel wasn't going to go over, you know, a million or whatever he was before that game. And like we said, what was it? I mean, Tyree Samuel has three points. Will Richard has two points. And yet you still have a great chance to beat Kentucky. And so the depth's there, the guard plays there. Um, yeah. So I think Florida is, trending in the right direction yeah i mean you come you come one basket away from beating who we have thought is a legitimate final four title contender when tyree samuel and will richard have both their worst games of the season you know like the the depth here is of the quality of depth is is jarring you have a 6 11 230 alex condon coming off the bench that can shoot threes. I mean, I know he he banked one in, but if you leave him open on like a pick and pop scenario, he can make it. Um, the rebounding is there. The guard play is there. This is like one of my favorite eye test teams. Ken Palm's got them at 37th. I, th- I think they're better than the 37th team in the country. Uh, they look, they just look good. There's, there's definitely some holes to clean up defensively. They've been, they've been given a lot up, but I mean, what was it? I think it was like a minute and a half left. They had the ball, a tie game, ready to ready to go and take the lead. And you just get an incredible individual sequence from Aaron Bradshaw with the block shot and then the dagger three. That's the game right there. You know, that goes the other way. And, and we might have Florida even higher. So I'm not worried at all. I was saying in the reaction video, I was just frustrated that either team had to lose this game because I feel like both won in my head if that makes any sense. So I, I still really like Florida, maybe even like them more now. Number four, Alabama. I think we all had Alabama at four. The, the computers on a consensus basis still have Alabama as a top five team in the country. I think that was the basis for a lot of where we had Alabama, That the fact that Alabama can just score like there's no tomorrow. But I watched that game. The, the first 10 minutes against Vanderbilt was exactly what we thought Alabama just scored at will, pushed the pace, was up 16 points in that game, and really the last 30 minutes was just lackluster. Led Vanderbilt back in it, um, went cold shooting. 
Blake, where, where do we stand on that? You, you, I think you're the resident high man on Alabama, and I think I know what you're going to say. You're going to say we go. one game, one bad game on the road <laughs> in a place where they'd struggled um, and, and think nothing of this. Am I, am I right here? 78-75, There is a rule, and I told Max on Sunday, there is a law in place that the Alabama Crimson Tide cannot score 80 or more points in Memorial Gymnasium. And so... Was this in any way shocking to me? No, it was not. Um, I I just, I'm sorry. Like, this was exactly what we said. Like, this was going to be the way this thing played out. If you played this game anywhere else, you could have played this game in, you know, in the Hoosiers gymnasium. Like, you know, back in, like, this thing would have been completely different. And so, but in all honesty, is it a little bit concerning? Like that's sure. a bad Vandy team. That's I mean, you you get it's a Vandy team that's that... getting better. We just talked about this. Okay, like, yeah. Well, Vandy lost at Memphis by two points. I mean, let them know, I Blake. How bad let them know. Been, but yeah, I don't know about on. Memphis like, anymore either. By the way, I know Vandy's the bottom of our power. But come on, let's be honest here. I realize how bad Vanderbilt was from November the seventh to December the nineteenth, but. I'm also not going to go back and say this is the same Vanderbilt team that played Presbyterian on November the 7th. It's not. It's not the same team that played on Western Carolina on December 19th. They are clearly playing better. I don't know how many SEC teams go to Memphis on December the 23rd and lose by two points. But Vanderbilt did. And so I just tend to think that this is – look, I told Max yesterday, obviously we know I've been the high man on Alabama. We We all get it, okay? We've had our fun with that. Is it concerning that they only beat Vanderbilt by three points? Sure. But again, I just think you have to add the context of this is just the way it's gone. Alabama's had some really good teams, but this is the way it goes in this gym for this team. Like, I don't know why. It is a curse. Like, something is there that someone in Alabama, it may have been Antonio McDice. Let me tell you why. Back in (laughs) 1993, 1994, Antonio McDice comes into this gymnasium. And I'm pretty sure the guy got a technical foul. I, I don't know. Was, I remember I, I was at this game. Okay. And so maybe that's when it started. I don't know. But I'm just telling you that I think, again, we talk about like with AM, LSU, all these other ones. You just, you're going to have some of these games. Um, you know, we just saw Alabama beat Liberty by 45 points. That's a good Liberty team. And so it's just, you know, it's conference play. It's opening week of conference play. I'm not jumping off the Alabama bandwagon just yet. My computers are not jumping off either. So you know me. I like to trust in the computers here and think that they know what they're talking about. So, Max, I'll let you speak now, but I just want to make sure that, you know, there'd be no Alabama Crimson Tide slander on this edition of the Power Rankings. You're not going to get any from me. Uh, and I've been, I've probably been the low man on Alabama. I mean, I, I quickly realized how good this offense is and, and started to warm up to them. Um, but I'm not taking anything away from this. I honestly kind of, as a, as a betting man, I kind of like Alabama moving forward. Cause now I think there's going to be great value on them the next two games. Cause when you, when you watch this game, this was probably the sloppiest offensive performance Alabama's had all season. And they almost scored 80. It, Mark Sears has his career high uh, turnovers. 
him and him and Estrada combined for nine turnovers. Guarantee you that's not happening every game. Um, and you look at Vanderbilt and you get a great individual performance from Rivera Torres. He goes seven of nine from inside the arc and scores 20 points. I mean, you know, tip, tip your cap to him. He had a good game at home. Uh, Nate Oates said right after the game, he said, hey, first off, it's hard to win on the road in this conference. And so be it. Whoever it is, you know, it doesn't matter who it is in this conference because you, you saw the results. I mean, I think, Chris, you texted us in the group chat. Um, brutal day for home teams. Yeah. And and it's it was opening day. You know, you get some wacky results. Alabama has their sloppiest performance offensively, and they still come away with a win. Uh, I'm not I'm not off this team at all. I honestly kind of like them a little bit more now because now I feel like more people are going to doubt them, and and that's just not it's just not a smart thing to do right now. Our, our man Blake went back to like the George Bush era to defend. <laughs> no, the, I, the I first did not. To, to, to defend Alex. Yes, you did. I mean, what are you going to do next? Bring Antonio McDyess's grandkids into this? I. I didn't just go back. He's old enough. I went back to every game that's been played in that gym between these two teams since I don't even know when. Um, I'm just telling you that this is every game has been closed for years. And so I'm willing to more bank on that being the fact that that's, that's the reason why this happened other than because otherwise, how do we explain anything else? Right. Do we think that, I mean, (laughs) Did we watch Alabama play against Purdue and Creighton and those kind of teams? I mean, come, come on. I, it, it happens. Vanderbilt's getting better. Yeah. So, come on. Come on. Let's get to what people are here for. Let's get oh, to this. This is, right. this this is, is where we're going to really make people angry. We got about 10 minutes to, to, clean, to do all this. So, let's just – I think here's what we should do. I think we because should just Kentucky, put them all in one okay. discussion. Okay? Yeah. So, let's just – Let's just have the discussion, and then we're we're going to reveal, you know, the, the top three. Let's just put them all in one because everyone knows we teased it. Like these are the top three. Okay. Let's just figure out how we get there. So start I'll let you off. start, Chris. I'll give let you. Well, I, I don't know where you want to go. I mean, I thoughts. well, just just okay. I mean, okay, we've we've got Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky, and to set the stage, Tennessee just obliterated Ole Miss. Auburn scored the biggest win ever in Fayetteville by a road team. And then all Kentucky did was go to Gainesville and beat a team down the stretch that we just spent six or seven minutes glowing about. So, I mean, it's throw them in a hat and pick them out as you wish. um, Because you, I, I think there's a clear top three where we are not clear is what order we should rank them in. Well, I want to I want to start with this. All three of these teams, I believe, are legitimate Final Four caliber. Like if if I get a bracket today and they're all in different quadrants, definitely Elite Eight, all of them. You know, I don't think anyone is really beating this this Tennessee team right now with with how Ziegler's playing. You just saw Kentucky get Florida's best shot on the road in their first hostile environment, come out with a win. And then obviously Auburn with the, the nastiest beat down in Bud Walton history. So it's like either way you dice it, you got to walk away knowing all three of these teams are legitimate final four caliber, but just to tease, tease my selection, 
one coach did say in his press conference that they got lucky. That was the difference for my voting. That was what did it for me. If I'm splitting hairs with these teams, one coach did say, well, we got lucky. So that's where my votes ended up. All right. So let's let's do this. So remember, it's a composite ranking. We all we all try to figure out exactly where we're going to put guys and games have to matter, right? Like how you see teams play and not just to this point, but these even the most recent game, you know, you can say, well, you're overreacting to one game, but like the results have to matter. Like they yeah. they have to mean something. And so because of that, <laughs> Congratulations to the Kentucky Wildcats on going on the road, getting an 87-85 win of the Florida Gators. But because you did that, unfortunately, <laughs> you have dropped to number three in our SEC basketball power rankings, um, which means we're now down to Tennessee and Auburn for one and two. And ultimately, the votes were cast. Um the Auburn Tigers move up to number two for the first time. The highest point Auburn has been this season, which means, of course, Tennessee lines up at number one. Uh, not the highest Tennessee has been this season. I know a lot of people were like, how did you guys ever move Tennessee down? I was the guy saying when Tennessee was on a three-game losing streak, what are we doing here? They're still the best team in the league. Then ultimately, they wind up going to number two behind Kentucky. Now Kentucky drops to three after a win at Florida. Um, I think the difference for me, just in looking at all these, and you know, if you're going to make the argument, Kentucky has, like I said, it's it's silly, but like Kentucky has the Wilmington loss on their resume. Um, they are of the three, they are the least consistent defensive team, um, because Auburn and Tennessee are just they are elite defensively right now. Like they are just they are playing so well on that in the floor. And they're also playing really well on the offensive end of the floor, which Kentucky, of course, is too. Um, so, yes, I think for this week, I, I'm not surprised this is the order we wind up in, just because we we are kind of we have kind of gotten to that point now where it's like, okay, again, results have to matter, and if you're looking at the way teams are playing, you're trying to rank them as of today, you put them on a neutral court. I think this is the order if you were betting them, which you know, Max, if we were putting an odds on these three teams, Tennessee would be favored over the other two. Auburn would probably be favored over Kentucky. And I think that's kind of how it would all shake out. So I'm glad you mentioned the the defensive consistency, because that's kind of what's, if there's anything separating them, I, I would say that's, that's a little bit, but the reason I put Tennessee above Auburn is just, is it's personal opinion. You know, these are power rankings, but I, I truly believe that Zakai Ziegler was not healthy in November. He was not 100%. I watched, I've watched every single second of Tennessee basketball this year, and, and he looks, he didn't even look like a shade of himself in those games. Um, if he is, if he, his health right now, if he had that in November, I don't think they lose all three of those games. And what are they in the country right now? Fifth, right? If they don't, if they win one of those games right now, I think they're third in the country. So, the you're splitting hairs all right all final four teams but uh tennessee has one one little wrinkle where it's like well they didn't have a walk of fully healthy in the beginning they didn't have ziegler fully healthy in the beginning and now look what they're doing so that's that's kind of just the little bit of separation that i was able to take 
it, it's interesting um, comparing Auburn and Tennessee. Well, comparing Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky, the computers all have Kentucky the lowest of the three, I believe. Uh, team rankings has got Auburn about a third of a point ahead of Tennessee. Bart Torvik has got Auburn almost two points better than Tennessee. Evan Mai has got Auburn about a half point better. And Kim Pomeroy have got Auburn and Tennessee basically the same. I think if you go to the the decimals, who did he have ahead? Um, I think he had Auburn ahead. No, I'm sorry. He had Tennessee just slightly ahead. So, look, I I defaulted to Tennessee on this. I said before the season, I think if Ziegler's healthy and we know it, that's my pick to win the league. I think we've got our answer on that. I think if you go resume, Tennessee's got the best resume to this point. Auburn didn't really have much of a resume. It's beating Southern Cal, which would be in the tournament right now. That doesn't mean Auburn's not good. But if Blake said if the games matter, Tennessee's won at Wisconsin, beaten Illinois, clobbered Mississippi State, and, and beat NC State for what that's worth. So um, if you balance all the things here, to, to me, Tennessee's the one, and that's where we settled as a group. Well, and the thing is, like, if you say, which I know what you're saying, but, like, you know, yeah, Auburn, like, in terms of quality wins, but, like, it's the way they're doing it to me. Yes. Yeah. That, that's why the computers, I think, are, you know, gaga over Auburn, which they should be, is because they are just, like I said, I mean, they are not just beating teams. They are just beating them unmercifully. And, you know, the Arkansas example was, I mean, that, that's the thing, right, is we talk about, like, this is just the way it works. When you have teams that are this close together and it's like, well, how could you move Kentucky down? Well, it's because at some point you have to look at, Auburn beating Arkansas by 32 on the road, Tennessee beating a previously unbeaten Ole Miss team, even if people thought that they were not as good as their 13-0 record. But when you see those type of performances, those have to be rewarded. And it's like, okay, ultimately, that's where the votes came in. You're rewarding them for that. Just, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's kind of like we rewarded Kentucky for the North Carolina win and, and yeah. you know, just seeing how they had played during that. And so, yeah, but like Chris said at the beginning, I think that's the most important point is this is 1A, 1B, 1C. Like these three yep. teams are all, and Max said it, they're all Final Four good. Um, I can even make the argument Auburn's the most complete team of the group. Um, you know, statistically, you can certainly make the argument in some of those yeah. areas. But, yeah. um, but again, I think how they're winning has been very important. But at the end of the day, too, it's like we said, I mean, we all said the same thing, did we not? When we got the mailback question of who you bet your house on to win the SEC, we all said Tennessee. Um, I'm pretty sure. And so it's like we said Kentucky. I said Kentucky. Oh, you said Kentucky. Oh, I, I thought you said Tennessee. Okay. Well, still, but the point that maybe furthers the points better. It's just but, but I but I didn't think it was clear. Well, okay. Gotcha. I, I just I was curious. I couldn't remember who if we all voted the same or not. But yes, these are all three fantastic teams. And we'll see this week. Like, you know, could our order change next week? Very possible because Tennessee got two road games at Mississippi State at Georgia. Um, Auburn has got A&M at home, which I'm just going to tell you, we'll do our preview. I think that's still tricky. They got LSU at home. Uh, then you got Kentucky who's got Missouri at home. Uh, then they got to go to Texas A&M. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a different order next week. One of these teams drops a game somewhere. So Blake, your point on Auburn, Auburn's played two close games all year. Baylor and Appalachian state lost in both Appalachian state was on the road. Uh, Baylor Auburn led that game until late in the season opener. Since that Appalachian State game, December third, nobody has come within fifteen points of Auburn. Yeah. Closest was Southern Cal at sixteen. I think that was the the Bronny James debut. If I'm 
correct on that? You guys might remember better than I would. No, no granted, they have not. Game. Yeah, they hadn't played a murderer's row of a schedule, but they have just destroyed everything in their path. Yeah, USC's so, not very good, just by the way. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, potential preseason top 25 team by a lot of people, but not, not there at the moment. So we'll see if that one carries any weight at the end. Um, all right, guys, it's been fun. Really excited for SEC basketball. I was excited before the weekend. I think I'm even more excited after seeing some of the teams that jumped up and surprised us a little bit. I think it's going to be an unpredictable season. I think there's going to be a lot of parity, a lot of good teams, maybe some great ones, and we're here for all of it. Thanks for watching our Power Rankings. We are Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.